Welcome, dear one. These are Catalyst Conversations, and I'm Anya, a facilitator and leadership mentor, and the founder and guide of the Catalyst Leadership Immersion and the Holding Space Facilitation Training. Here, I sit down to talk one-on-one with Catalyst graduates. They are some of the most wise, compassionate, complex, creative people I know, and I'm honored to share them and their work with all of you. Listen in as we dive into honest dialogue about what it means to use our businesses as vehicles for our values, as we show up imperfectly and courageously in our work, in this fractured world, making our way together. There's no denying that we are in the midst of huge transformation on a personal and global scale, and it can feel deeply unsettling and rich with possibility, and everywhere in between. With a foundation in body liberation, intersectional justice, radical storytelling, and creative expression, and a unique ability to hold the spectrum of paradoxes, Jenny Downer is a powerful guide for this time. As a mama, partner, advocate, artist, photographer, and facilitator of visibility, Jenny practices looking at mess and complexity with nuance and compassion. For years now, she's used her work as a way to truth-tell and dive way beneath the surface, giving permission for others to share their own messy realness and creating community in the process. In our conversation, we talk about her recent neurodiversity diagnosis, her long-time commitment to shedding and shifting stigmas wherever she finds them, and what can happen when we step out of the hustle and let ourselves actually slow down and listen in. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. (laughs) Hi, my dear one. Oh, my sweet friend. I'm really glad to be talking to you today, all the days. Every time I get to talk to you is such a blessing for me. I feel the same. (sighs) So we have lots to explore and dive into today. But I would love to start by just hearing what feels true for you right now in this moment, a couple of things that feel true. Mm. Well, for me personally, in this moment, (laughs) I truly feel nervous (laughs) because spoken word is not my strength. And I would really love for this conversation to be super helpful Mm. to you and I and everybody who listens. So I've got that on my mind and my heart. And I'm just feeling so lucky. What feels true to me is that I am a very lucky woman. And I'm just really living into that these days through all the things, through the hard, through the amazing I just feel so lucky to have the privilege to have had this year to kind of cocoon. I fully cocooned. And it's been a really big deal to me. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> it's been an amazing thing to be cared for by my partner so beautifully and had time just in my home. I've been quarantined since March and it has just been a very me-centered time and I feel extremely fortunate to to have had that time. Mm -hmm. We need the cocoon times, you know, however they show up. It's essential and I feel like they they like we want to have the cocoon time often but we don't get to or the cocoon times want to encircle us but we fight it and yeah what a gift to be able to really enter in to that cocoon space when it's needed and it's nourishing and you get to be taken care of mm -hmm. in space yeah i i've been in business for 14 years my own business that was a hundred percent me. And, you know, along with being a mother and a partner, I've had a real strong focus on my business for the last 14 years and, and the hustle of it and the stress of the financial pressure. And, and so not having that to focus on has just really given me so much time and space to focus on the things that I'm curious about, about myself, and take a really hard look at how I'm living, what my life is doing, and what my work is, and what I have to offer without the distraction of the pressures of regular, ordinary life. Mm -hmm. And and that's been huge because in the midst of the hustle for all of these previous years, I just haven't been able to fully commit to any of the change that I have craved. And so if it feels like now is my time, mm. I feel like right now in this moment, it's like the pinnacle of my, my imaginal time, mm. you know? Like I'm just starting to crack out of my chrysalis and like starting to kind of shake my wings out and take a look at what they look like and mm. get ready to fly because I've just been wrapped up in that cocoon for a year since my dear friend Ellen died last, last Thanksgiving. That's really when it started for me. <laughs> and then that really deep, intense grief just moved into this time of quarantine and so it's been over a year for me really now that I've been in this place so mm -hmm. and you feel you feel the cracking open the the gently emerging out mm -hmm. I do I do as you were talking I was just really struck by the sense of your work and we know each other really deeply and for many years now but your work as a photographer, which is the work that you've been doing for 14 years, right, mm -hmm. is so much about deeply seeing human beings in all of their complexity and all of their flaws and all of their beauty. And I just, as you were talking, was so struck by the sense that 
this year has given you the time and space to turn that gaze inwards. Mm -hmm. It has. And to do all of that reflecting that you do so stunningly, so beautifully for everyone else that you're then able to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since the beginning of my work, I, the core of my work has been about reflecting to people how beautiful their life is in, in its honesty, not in any contrived or stylized manner, but what I've always really wanted to connect with my photography clients on is how amazing their life is in its honesty, in all of its imperfection, in all of its quirks, in all of its pain and joy there's so much beauty mm-hmm. in that. And so even in the early days of my photography, that's really the feeling that I was chasing. I have a 14, 15-year-old son <laughs> with high-needs autism. And right around the time that I started my business, we were kind of coming to terms with with his needs, with his differences, his brain differences, and how he fits into the world. and. From nearly the get-go, Rob and I, my partner Rob and I, really have taken a stance that we wanted to divest in the status quo. Mm -hmm. We didn't resonate with the typical path that most parents were taking with their kids that were autistic and really learning how to help him to live in a world where he just doesn't belong rather than changing him or adapting his behaviors or programming him to be something that fits better into the world. We really took the stance that we wanted to find out what his strengths and his interests were Mm. and help him to just cope and be himself. And I, I didn't really, I don't, see that very much in the world of autism. I'm starting to more and more, but I mentioned that because a lot of the work that I do is around radical acceptance. Yes. And, and bucking the status quo, mm-hmm. the status quo about stigma mm-hmm. and discrimination. And that is, that is really has always been really important in my work. And so now <laughs> in this moment, I have in this year of my transformation, I have discovered my own neurodiversity and what that means to me. And I, I did a lot of research and sought neuropsychiatric evaluation and have been diagnosed with ADHD, adult ADHD, and severe major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. And in my research, I've found that I really relate to a lot of adult female autistic characteristics. I'm not diagnosed autistic, but I identify with many of the things that I'm seeing written by other adult women that are neurodiverse and definitely sensory processing disorder and highly sensitive person 
category and synesthesia. Can you say what that is? Mm-hmm. Synesthesia can mean a lot of different things. For me, it means that when I'm with someone, I can feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. Is that like a different level of being an empath? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same as being an empath. And all of those neurodivergent traits, they are all very similar and coexist. And it's kind of hard to tease them apart. So, so yeah, I've spent so much time thinking about that. And then in relation to identifying my son's neurodivergence, it's been very interesting because I'm very different from him. And I really didn't realize the depth of what these things mean. Like, what does it mean to be ADHD? I, I joked about it for a long time. Like, oh, yeah, I'm ADHD. <laughs> but the truth is, is that it's been a really impactful thing in my life since for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And how I relate with people and how I do my work. And so I feel like I went on a really long tangent. <laughs> a great one. Let's go. Let's move A great one. I want to I keep it going because I'm curious what the sort of process of discovery over this last year has meant to you. And then, you know, you said that you've maybe had a sense that some of these things were true for you or that you joked about it. What does it mean now to have these diagnoses, to have this information, this clarity? How does it feel and how does it translate into the work that you are doing in the world? It feels extremely illuminating. It's like, it's like there's been a part of myself that's kind of been like in the dark corners for my entire life and felt really misunderstood by not only the rest of the world, but by myself. And so it's been fascinating and delightful to connect the dots of these feelings of that I was different and, and that certain things don't work for me the same way they work for neurotypical people. And so much frustration with myself for my entire life, I feel now like I can look at those things with a lot more self-compassion and find creative ways to adjust my the way I do things with so much acceptance and, and self-compassion. Mm. And that's such a big deal. It's huge. I mean, that's the biggest deal. And then my experience of you and your work is that you bring that out into the relationships that you're cultivating and the groups that you're convening and the way that you're showing up. So it's like deeply embracing that in yourself and then also offering that as a gift to the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. I mean, that's like profound radical acceptance. Right? Like starting, starting, or not even starting, but just like practicing that in ourselves and practicing that externally. Yeah. I've always practiced it with my family since becoming a mom and, and then having a, 
very impacted child as well who has need all kinds of accommodations. I've always embraced that and had a lot of radical acceptance and spoken very openly about, you know, how beautiful it is to to love your life, even when it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And to look at both the truth of the hard and the truth of the amazingness of the miracle of being alive. Because that's really how I feel about it. I just think that this world is such a miracle and that it's not meant to be easy. (laughs) I mean, you are the guide that we need in this time. (laughs) That we are, I mean, I think so many times in history and in our lifetimes, but right now, even just thinking about the last weeks that we have, we're, recording this in early January, like, (sighs) to be able to hold the paradoxes really with intentionality and see the, the beauty in the shit (laughs) and see the, the potential when things are falling apart in the chaos. I mean, I feel like we are all being tasked with cultivating that skill set, mm-hmm. especially in the last year, especially right now. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's really hard. It is. And we, our society, we as human beings, we're not typically conditioned to access those paradoxes. It takes real, like you said, it takes real intentionality to look at at your life and our culture and the world and life in general with with a lens of positive regard, you know, and love and compassion. Yeah. I remember the very first Catalyst meeting, one of the questions you asked us was, what do you think that the world needs more of? And my answer hasn't changed in the past two and a half years. It's compassion and acceptance and celebration of the tiniest little joys. And to me, that is a very fulfilling life is to be able to accept what's happening and try to make the best of it. But even if you don't make the best of it, finding some sort of relationship with what is happening around you and internally and working with it, Mm. you know, rather than being one way, rather than being just sad or just pissed or whatever, we are able to hold so much in our humanity that is so messy but so essential. Mm. And I just hope that my life experience and my own brand of neurodiversity and views, I'm really hoping that I can share that with people and maybe change, help change their perspective a little bit or give them a place where they have permission to explore what that means. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, 
we all need that. We all need those spaces so desperately Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Do you have any practices that help you have helped you historically to hold that complexity? I don't, I haven't ever really had like formal routine practices, but I feel like mindfulness is something that is kind of inherent in me that I definitely try to practice sometimes subconsciously, not even always a conscious decision to be mindful, which sounds, uh, I love it. Like a huge (laughs) contradiction. But it's true. Uh, I just think that I think that mindfulness is a very important practice just to remember, like, this is what this is where I'm at right now. This is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening around me. And I'm okay or I'm not okay. And, you know, just the acknowledgement of truth. Yeah, is huge. I feel like it's the first step in practicing anything, really. It's just truth and honesty and self self inquiry. Mm-hmm. So I find that really helpful in my day to day, and I find art and making absolutely essential to my sanity. <laughs> what kind of art and making? Almost anything. I I mean, obviously, I love photography. There's something so amazing about being, witnessing a human being being themselves. And somehow the alchemy of witnessing them and looking at them through the lens that I bring and playing with design and color and light and like the language of the human face and body and all of that come together. I just love photography in that way. I love being able to show those kinds of images to other people and have them see themselves in a really honest, but beautiful way. Mm. And then aside from that, I dabble. I'm a dabbler. I love digital art. I bought myself a, a, iPad Pro about a year ago and started just dabbling with that, playing with color and lettering and a little bit of drawing. And so that's super fun and very immediate for my ADHD brain. Mm -hmm. I love painting with acrylic paints. I love collage. I love sewing, but that's been something that I like, I kind of keep, I keep putting off my sewing projects. (laughs) How come? (laughs) I don't know. I think it's an ADHD thing, really. It's like, it's kind of a big project and a big endeavor. And it takes a lot of energy to pretty much sew anything for me at this point, because I'm not super adept at it. But I love it. Color and texture and pattern all mixing together and making something that's usable is super fun for me. Mm. So pretty much anything. I love art and making. Mm. So that's, that's something that I try to work on. I'm hoping that now that I'm medicated, that it will be a little easier for me to practice it on, in a routine way. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I'm giving ADHD medication a good go is because I really want to do the things that I'm excited about. 
rather than just thinking about them and collecting yes. ideas. <laughs> we want you to do them. <laughs> we want your ideas in the world actualized. Yes. Yeah. You said you're not doing a ton of writing these days, but how I have known you kind of through the years and before we really connected through the Catalyst Leadership Immersion, we were friends on Facebook and acquaintances through the circles. And I felt like I knew you, even though I didn't really know you, because of the way that you were writing about your life and experiences on Facebook. And I was so like compelled by you because I felt like you were such a vulnerable, resilient truth teller where it was like really speaking to the complexities of your life and even, even just sort of the day to day, right? Like, but to, explore it in such depth and then to offer it so generously to the community to read and to connect with. And I felt such a closeness to you, even though I didn't know you at all. And I think the practice of truth telling is also part of radical acceptance on all levels. And Mm -hmm. I think that this time is also really inviting us to like shed the bullshit right shed the expectations shed the like facade or whatever and just be real because it's that's what we need and we need to be telling the truth about our experiences and the you know the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows and wherever we are at and I think we all have been craving that for so long, but I'm noticing in the last year really a kind of collective shedding of the falsehoods or the sense of like it needs to be one way to to show up or one way to lead or one way to have a presence on social media and that we're more and more people are telling their stories truthfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really hope that continues to be the the direction that we're heading as a species. Me too. More honest, you know, acknowledging the hard truths and working with them, transforming them into something that, you know, making changes as we can and transforming the shit into something beautiful. It is, yeah. Social media for me has been so therapeutic in my adult life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Rob and I made, made a decision early on in our children's lives, particularly after we found out that Sam was autistic and that our life was going to look really different than what, you know, what we had thought it was going to look like and what people are used to. And, so we decided to be super transparent and write about our experience as a means of connection. You know, we needed it. We were stuck at home right. for a very long time with a kid who couldn't really spend a lot of time out in public or in social situations. 
and I was self-employed. My husband was working from home at the time. And so that was how it went. We would write. I mean, it was like a journal. Yeah. And we got a little bit of feedback that we overshared or that it was, you know, we lost some people because it was kind of a lot to hear about the ups and downs. It's like a, they were pretty violent ups and downs, especially in the early years. And that's intimate. Like that's an intimate exchange to be let into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it kind of became part of my work. Yeah. You know, my, there is no separation between me as a person and my work. There just absolutely is zero. Yep. You know, I am my offering. Sometimes I use tools like a camera or the computer, but it's me. What you see is what you get. And so writing really honestly about our experience of parenting and, you know, starting a business way back when, when the kids were little and my husband becoming disabled and, you know, so much stuff. It was therapeutic for me. And I got so much feedback that it was helpful to others. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to not worry about the feedback that it was too much or oversharing or uncomfortable for others and really embracing the fact that, you know, people are really as best as you can on social media in little snippets of life. They were getting our reality and, and it was helping them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so permission giving also to the people who are then witnessing your truth and reading that and seeing that seeing themselves reflected knowing that they can show up Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's been a lot yeah yeah as you are kind of beginning to crack open this cocoon And I should just say, I've really been thinking about the butterfly process. As you know, I'm kind of obsessed with this, but (laughs) I just, (laughs) but what I've been really thinking a lot about is that it's not necessarily like a grand emergence from the cocoon and then that's done and you're just a butterfly. I think there's multiple phases of that process. And sometimes we are both in the cocoon and flying around with gorgeous wings at the same time, or we're still caterpillaring and butterflying at the same time, you know, there's multiple phases of the process happening all the time. So I just want to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Multi-dimensional reality. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our butterfly life. But I'm curious if as you're emerging from this round of cocooning, if you have a sense of what really is wanting to be born, of what your wings do look like, of where you're going to be traveling. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure yet. You know, I've done this beautiful work with you for, you know, it's coming up on two and a half years where I have I've learned so many skills and learned so much about myself and for, and found such a supportive community, the likes of which I've never had before. And it's been 
and continues to be a really long process of figuring out what exactly I want it to look like because I'm creating something. What I want to create is something that has not been done before. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it done before. I am really wanting to offer, I really want to hold space for people in several different ways. I plan to continue doing photography because I love it. But I suspect that my photography offerings might attract a little bit of a different client as I move forward and kind of re-language my work a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I've just... I just have no interest anymore in catering to an image. And oftentimes when people go shopping for a photographer, they're looking for something that's going to make them look their very best. Mm -hmm. And they have some idea of what that looks like. And so I really want to weed that out. There are plenty of photographers out there who can do that. But in my photography work and my upcoming facilitation work, both one-on-one and in groups, I really want to be holding space for people that feels healing and permission giving to be themselves and to work through some stuff that holds them back from being really authentic and, and loving themselves and accepting themselves. Even if they don't love themselves, that's not really even actually the goal. Mm -hmm. I want to find I want people to find some home in their own bodies and minds and hearts and and kind of help them figure out ways that they want to divest from the status quo and find find compassion for themselves in new ways that they haven't haven't felt before in order to radiate that out to the world And so what that looks like, I don't know exactly yet. You know, I've made a lot of plans for workshops and I've got the tools to hold gatherings and retreats and workshops and Zoom meetings and all the things. (laughs) You have and you've you've held some beautiful ones and created amazing curricula. I will just say that. Thank you. (laughs) But I'm really, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just going to be an evolving process. When I get back to work, once the pandemic is under control, I will start taking photography clients again. And I I just really want to dive into doing some more writing and developing and within, from the perspective that I'm at now, with the, with the, With the knowledge that I'm neurodiverse and have ADHD, I want to kind of go through a lot of my catalyst immersion work and find the nuggets that are in there and further develop them. I I don't know about the folks listening in, but just hearing you describe your vision and your offering you know me, but I'm like, okay, when do I sign up? Where do I sign up? (laughs) I don't need the logistical details. I want that. (laughs) I want to be in that space. I want to be held in that way. Yeah. I want to hold you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Let's do it. (laughs) 
I heard a uh, so this guy Frank Wilczek was on on being with Krista Tippett last week. He was he's a physicist. Everything he said was beautiful. It was a little hard for me to follow because I don't speak physicist language. The one thing that they said in their interview was if there's a creator, if he were to ponder the idea that there is a creator, he is first and foremost an artist. And that really struck me because you know, and you can you can take this out of the interview if you don't want that piece in there. But what I really believe is that this planet, this life, this universe, us, our species, and every other species, the the thousands and thousands and thousands of types of life that are living on this earth, we're all works of art. Yeah, absolutely. Life is life is art. Yes. And being a human involves really inherent creativity. And I just think that in my work, it really calls upon people tapping into that creativity in ways that they didn't realize were possible or accessible to them in whatever I do, you know? We get to design, we get to design our own lives and mold them around our circumstances. And we get to choose how we react to things and who we want to be engaged with and how we want to help liberate others and how we want to spend our time and our energy. You said at the top of our conversation that you are not such a verbal processor, and I just have to say that (laughs) you're speaking poetry right now. (laughs) (laughs) I say all the yeses. (laughs) Just love humanity so much, Anya. I think that we are such weird creatures. With so much complexity, and we get so hurt and traumatized. We're all so traumatized. And the way that we live with all the hustle and the pressure and the the stigma and challenges that we have just to function in society can really dissociate mm-hmm. us from our trueness our true humanity yes and the way we view others and i just i would just love to do my part to break that down a bit you know help people to help people to see how much choice we really have and how we can be of service to other people and true to ourselves Mm. and yeah I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I would just say that you are doing that and you have been doing that. And I feel you doing that. And I so look forward to more in whatever forms that takes as you continue to extend out of your cocoon. I'm excited too. 
I really just, I just really want to find more and more ways to share these thoughts with people in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the rest of my life. Yes, please. <laughs> the creative living experiment continues, right? Yeah, totally. Yes. And it's not just, it's not some exclusive thing. It's for everybody. It's a birthright. It is a birthright. It absolutely is a birthright. And um, so many, so many people don't ever get to know that because they're under, you know, they're oppressed. Mm -hmm. There's so much oppression and that can look so many different ways, you know? Yeah. And I just think that collective liberation, transformative justice, collective care, Mm. it's just the way. I just really feel like that's the way forward. I have written and thought about, you know, at various points in our quarantine time, just the sense of like, the breakdown can also be the breakthrough, the breaking open. Can this also be a deep learning? Are we able to really see what has been plaguing us societally, globally, and choose differently and move towards all of these things that you're speaking to, the collective care and collective liberation and ways that we show up for each other and permission that we're giving to ourselves to be human, to our communities to be human. Can we please move in that direction? I I mean, that is my daily prayer. That is my prayer in action that we are moving in that direction. Mine too. And I, you know, I guess we can't really expect everyone to get on board. So there's some acceptance in that too. It takes a lot of curiosity and wonder Mm -hmm. to even like, to even think about what that might look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and what you've said and, you know, have referenced throughout this call, this sense of just like getting a break from the hustle. I think that is key. I think so much of it really is giving ourselves space to be in the inquiry and to be in the wonder. And yes, that can happen as we're kind of plugging away and, you know, in the kind of maze of it all. But when we are able to pause and take a break and move back from that, it really is provides more space to engage. Totally. Yeah. So in my work moving forward, that's that's really what I hope is that even in small snippets, even if it's just a post on social media or, you know, a six month long cohort or whatever, an afternoon, my hope is that inviting people to be in a space that is held with the collective agreement that we have an open mind and an open heart and a curiosity that is free from judgment and just having this time in whatever that time space looks like for that particular offering to just feel really in I want to say invited I also want to say safe but it's not necessarily safe 
in a really brave space to explore like what is what does it all mean like what do i really value in this and looking at identities and values and and finding ourselves in that our truest selves to share with others so when people listen to this and want to find you and learn as these spaces become available how can we find you <laughs> where do you want to be found <laughs> i have a website that is she saw and what you'll find there is really all of my photography work with no mention of any of my facilitation work but that will evolve over time when it happens <laughs> And you can find me on Instagram. I keep I keep up my personal account mostly, and that is at She Saw Things. So you can learn lots of nitty gritty about my life there. I have a professional Instagram account also, but I don't really use it. That is She Saw Things photo, and I have a pretty inactive at the moment, but has been quite active Facebook business page that She Saw Things. I think it's she saw things photo also okay yeah so i guess just watch <laughs> yes just watch i think things are things are percolating things are coming soon things are gonna come soon and definitely sign up for my newsletter wherever you see a place to sign up for it in my offerings because that will be something exciting and a and a good way to kind of keep up with what i'm doing and Get a a dose of truth telling. Yeah, a little dose of truth telling. Mm. <laughs> My dear one, do you have a question that you want to offer to folks listening in? Something that they can contemplate or journal about or make a art piece around? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I think about a lot and have posed this question to, to my social media followers is what if you obsessed about the things that you love about yourself? What would that look like? What would it mean? What would it feel like? Mm. <sighs> Radical. <laughs> It is. Probably, right? Yeah. Yep. It really is mm. radical. Thank you We've for that. We've spent so much time thinking about what's wrong, you know, both physically and emotionally in our behaviors. We, we really are, as a culture, so focused on the shame and dislike and... And all the stigmas that we are subject to. What if we just said fuck stigmas? Yeah. And not even fuck stigmas. Yes, fuck stigmas. And I love all of these pieces about who I am and how I move in the world. Right. Yeah. Totally. And there really is so much to love about ourselves. We just have to pay attention to it mm. and give it, give it some mindfulness. Mm. Tap into it. Think about it. Give it some love. Yes. Thank you, my dear. Love you. 
I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. To be continued. More <laughs> will happen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Catalyst conversation. I would love to know what's resonating for you or what questions this conversation inspired. If you're feeling the call to hone your facilitation skills, rise into your leadership, and contribute your unique remedy into this fractured time, let's connect. You can find all the details about the Holding Space eCourse, the Catalyst Leadership Immersion, and my free collaborative community newsletter over on my website, anyahinken.com. You can also find me on Instagram, where I am at Anya Hinken. Extra special thanks to my friend Robin Jackson for the music, and Brooke Bradford for podcast editing. To the catalysts who have shared their truth here, and to you for listening in, I look forward to continuing the conversation. <laughs>